Hello everyone and welcome to episode 328 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you today, Richard? I'm doing well, Seth. How are you doing? Ah, I'm doing uh, better than uh, than Arena was this weekend, but uh, we'll get to that <laughs> later. We have uh, another another co-host in Krim. <laughs> What's up, Krim? Morning, Seth. <laughs> How you doing? I am doing uh, pretty well. So uh, as far as our podcast today, we're going to talk a little bit about Arena and the Arena Open over the weekend. But a big chunk of our uh, cast is going to be dedicated to new magic cards. We got new spoilers, new cards for Modern Horizons, which kind of makes sense. We knew Modern Horizons 2 spoilers were coming, but we also have some stuff from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, which is the set after Modern Horizons. So we got a bunch of spoilers to talk about. And then, of course, we will answer your fish mail. So I think that is the plan for today. And I guess... I don't know. Let's let's just uh, let's just talk about Arena real quick first, and then we'll we'll spend the rest of the cast on spoilers. So this was Arena Open Weekend, the big tournament. Wizards promotes it quite a bit. You win two thousand dollars, I think, or something if you qualify for day two and do well on day two. Crim, uh, what happened this weekend with the with the Arena Open? Uh, it's more of what didn't happen. <laughs> and, uh, like yeah, like it, it, it feels like this weekend the the client just wasn't working. Uh, it, it did, but it was just like really laggy, constant disconnects from the server. Um, I didn't play in the open myself, but I saw everybody that was like, you know, tweeting about it. And then of course, just me trying to log in to just play stuff for my own, like just like benefit. It was just not working. So it was just really, really upsetting to see, you know, it like Watsi's premier client, uh, be so, so unresponsive. Yeah. I mean... Things like that happen on Arena sometimes. Like, obviously, I I think stuff like that happens with all games. The problem, I think, in specific is the Arena Open costs a lot of money. Like, that is that is an event that I think it's like more than twenty dollars to enter. It's a it's forty five hundred gems, which if you do the math, I think is well, like twenty five bucks somewhere in that range. Twenty twenty five dollars. Um, and uh, and if you're paying that amount of money. You're hoping to win some prizes, win your gems back, maybe make it to day two and actually like win some real money, which would be sweet. Uh, so if the client crashes and you like can't complete your matches or you get I heard some people saying they had losses because the client like just wouldn't connect and it just showed up. The match like never appeared on their screen and it just showed up as a loss in the record. And they're like, I paid a lot of money to do this. So now there's kind of this big thing about is Wizards going to refund people? People are trying to get refunds. Last I heard, there haven't been uh, really refunds handed out yet. And then even on top of that, you have the like situation where people are like i dedicate my whole day to this like even if you give me back my 4500 gems or whatever that doesn't truly compensate me for wasting my entire saturday like trying to slog through arena when it's not really functioning to play this tournament what do you think about that aspect richard like should wizards compensate people and is just getting your entry back like is that enough to compensate you for a for the loss of time as well as the loss of fun yeah, they should definitely compensate the entry fee. Like, they can do that easy, right? They can't really compensate you for your loss of time. <laughs> like, that's hard to compensate for. Uh, the last time this happened, this happened uh, circa 2012 with Brian Kibler playing a big Moto event. Moto died <laughs> after, like, you know, winning eight rounds and, you know, a lock for a good finish. And then Wizards is like, here, have your entry fee back. 
uh, Kimbler got very upset, wrote a big post. It went viral. Uh, Watsy actually took down Moto tournaments for quite a while as they fixed everything. That's when they cared about competitive integrity. Now, I don't know what they're going to do, but they should definitely just compensate you the raw entry fee, right? Minimum. They should probably throw you some freebies, like some wild cards or something as like a gesture of goodwill. And they should get their stuff together, right? Like, okay, you know, we 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 didn't talk about this, but MPL also had some weirdness going on where they basically banned a bunch of cards from the client, but they kept it. <laughs> They kept it in the normal client. So you couldn't play it in MPL because the cards were bugged. But if you just queued up on ladder, you can still play the cards. Again, like where's competitive integrity? Every other game would either patch it immediately or disable the cards so that you can't play them while they work on a fix. But they're not doing any of this. So I, I don't know. Like they don't care about integrity. They just care that you log in, do your daily quests and leave. But they don't care if your tournaments are running smoothly if your matches are running correctly i i, I don't know like they're they're, they're, the whole they're too busy programming <laughs> they're too busy programming the latest pet <laughs> like uh, I, I assume that takes a lot of work to get those pets on there uh, so I, i'm sure it's uh, card styles and pets that are eating up the time Krim, uh, what do you what do you think about all this uh you know like yeah i i much like what richard was saying already like i do think that this is the bare minimum <laughs> like they should immediately just refund the entry but i i don't know it, it just it feels a, a little upsetting for like you know competitive wise like if i'm doing like quite well and then all of a sudden i have to kind of restart because i get some random losses or something like that i don't even know what the correct fix is for that like what would uh, what would the fix be right and it, it, a few wild cards almost doesn't feel like that, that's really worth it either yeah maybe if there was a way to like I think Moto got to the point where they actually had like mods that could adjust the tournament in real time. So I don't know how possible that would be. It seems like with the structure of the arena open where it's like, hey, you just play until you get so many wins or so many losses. It seems like you could have someone who'd be like, oh, that match actually didn't happen, but it showed up as a loss on your record. I'll just like hit a key and delete that and you can go about your business like that might be something. I know another thing that someone emailed me about and they were very, very uh, upset about, which I don't even know if this is like fair criticism or not, but they actually slogged through Saturday, got the record necessary to qualify for day two, but they didn't realize that day two on Sunday is a separate tournament. So you actually have to sign up again on Sunday morning. They didn't know that. They just assumed like it's the same tournament. I'm already like qualified. So they couldn't actually play because they didn't sign up in time because they didn't realize that they had to. And they were like livid about this. They were like, you need to like tweet about this. And I don't I don't know if that's like the most fair criticism, but there were a lot of hurt feelings, I think, to uh, to come out of this event, which I think is the exact opposite of what you want when you have these arena opens, which should be like a fun competitive day on arena. But instead, it just was my Twitter feed full of pros complaining, other people emailing me about, you know, random issues they had with it. So pretty disastrous, I think, all around. And I don't know. I just don't have much faith in Wizards investing in it. Like, uh, they haven't shown the signs of investing in it. And then the little tidbits of actual information you get about, like, oh, we don't think spectator mode is really that essential or just things like that. It makes it seem like 
I don't know, having Arena be a premium client for competitive play, I don't even know if that's really on the roadmap at this point. Well, it's unfortunate because the Arena Open is kind of the first step towards competitive magic for a lot of people, right? Like if you're just playing Arena and you want to get into competitive magic, that's like one of the most obvious things to be doing. And for it to go so poorly will just turn you away from competitive magic altogether. So... I it is unfortunate and I hope they do fix it but like Seth said I don't know they don't even fix the MPL like why would they fix this like I I I don't know man they don't seem to have priority on this aspect of it like the most esports aspect of the esport like they're not focused on which is weird uh like you you can't have esports without the actual game working but I guess right we're esports secretly are esports just it's just e it's just e (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there are no sports. <laughs> We're currently lagging, so one second. <laughs> uh, well, uh, anyway, uh, that's that's Arena Open. Uh, if you played it this weekend, share your experiences in the comments. But we got more exciting stuff to talk about. We got new magic cards yes. from two upcoming sets. We should probably start with Modern Horizons number yes. two, since that's the set that's releasing soonest. Uh, we also got a little a little roadmap as far as when stuff's coming out. They actually push back the release date of Modern Horizons 2 and of Forbidden Realms by a week each, they said, due to COVID issues. So we're starting full previews on May 24th for Modern Horizon, so two weeks from today, but there's going to be some early previews on the 20th during their stream, and then the end of June for Forbidden Realms. But Richard, walk us through new Modern Horizons 2 cards. All right, Modern Horizons 2, the only thing we knew were enemy fetches, and they're here, and they're coming with old border versions and extended border versions, so three versions. Uh, of each enemy fetch. So that's uh, like Arid Mesa, Marsh Flats, Misty Rainforest, Scalding Tarn, and Verdant Catacombs. Uh, so that, that's the easy one. Now we have a new card in Diamond Lion. It's an artifact creature, uh, two generic mana, two, two, artifact creature cat coming in at rare. Tap, discard your hand, sacrifice Diamond Lion, add three mana of any one color, activate only as an instant. It's a two, two. Is is this good? Because uh, it, it's on a body of a creature. It doesn't have haste. Uh, and and like it, you know the whole like I the dice removal part is kind of weak. But I think what makes Lion's Eye Diamond powerful is that you could do it right away. Yeah, I mean I think it, this is a case where dice removal does kind of come into play because of the the decks that would want this effect. Uh, like, I love the flavor of this card. The, like, the name calling back to Lion's Eye Diamond, the ability calling back to Lion's Eye Diamond. So I love the flavor of it. But as far as being good, I really don't think that it is. Lion's Eye Diamond is like a combo piece for, like, Storm-style combo decks for the most part. I could see, like, ad nauseum or something in modern maybe being able to take advantage of it but those kind of decks you don't want a random creature and you probably don't have any other creatures in your deck really so this is just going to be like the only target for your opponent's fatal push so it seems i don't know it seems like a stretch to me that this card is actually going to be like competitively playable but i i do like the flavor of this card and like the nostalgia and the callback of it (laughs) i'm gonna find i I find it pretty funny if you see someone play this They stare at you and just like, ah, you just, you wait, you give me, you give me a whole turn and I'm going off. <laughs> so, so knowing nothing. Give me a turn, I'm going to discard my hand. Knowing nothing about storm decks, by the way, I think this card will be really good. 
you, you guys are comparing it to like the legacy version where like you're going to LED like right away. A lot of times you just put out your LED and like wait a turn or two to set up. Right. And yes, this could be fatal pushed. But does your opponent want to keep fatal pushes in for games two and three? Like, I don't know about that. Right. And you just pop it down. If it survives, you know, the next turn you combo off and you and you and you win. So I actually think this will have some home now. Right. And maybe if not now, eventually, like whenever you make any kind of these like broken mana effects, people will find some way to break them. And for actual LED, it took several years for them to print an actual card to combo with it. But I think Diamond Lion is going to be pretty good. Like, are you going to keep fatal pushes in against your Storm player just to fatal push yes. this Diamond Lion? Well, oh, <sighs> yes, because they still, if you're talking about Storm specifically, they still have Brawl and like, you know, like Electromancer. So you still need to answer these things. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing is, if you look at LED, the original, it's plus three mana. It's a Black Lotus with a big hoop to jump through. This costs you two mana. So it's really only adding a single mana. Like, you can kind of store it up for the future, which is nice for, like, your big turn. But I feel like all around it is, even discounting the fact that it has to sit on the battlefield, it's definitely a lot less powerful than Lion's Eye oh, Diamond. Of course it is, but you can't put LED in modern, right? You can't put LED in modern, right? It's What's the suspend bloom thing, the, the lotus thing? Lotus bloom? Yeah. Lotus bloom, yeah. yeah. It's the same thing, right? Like, you, you're just setting up, and in the future, you're going to get this great influx of mana, and then you just combo off and win on that turn, right? Like... Of course, it's not LED. Who's gonna put LED in modern, Seth? It's crazy. Okay, okay. casual, casual Richard Commander player. How about this comparison? Have you played a Magus? Have you ever played Magus of the Wheel? Have you ever felt the depressing feeling when you're like, "Hey, I would really like to wheel," and then you draw your Magus of the Wheel and you have to beg the entire table, like, "Please don't kill this because I really want to wheel," and have it sit out while three other people take their turn. It's not the best feeling. Like, isn't this Magus of Lion's Eye Diamond? And have there ever been any of the Maguses that have actually been not even, like, as good as their original spells? That's not even a question, but, like, playable? I can't think of a single, like, Magus that's been playable. And they all call back to really iconic spells. I, I agree with you, right? That the Magus is definitely a doubt, like, you know, not as good. But I don't think this is as bad as you're making it out to be. Like, I, like the upside is a lot. It is like very much right. And we're talking about modern. Like you're obviously not going to jam this into like your legacy or vintage deck where you have like real LEDs, but you don't have LED in modern. And people play things like you you just set up for like a turn two or turn three when you don't need to like win on the turn you're playing this uh, Diamond Lion. And, you know, do you play a Brawl and expect it to live? No, it dies on yeah. the spot, but you still play it, right? Same with Electromancer, right? It dies on the spot, but if they don't kill it on the spot, they're dead, right? Like, it's kind of that deal. So the, the question yeah, is, is there something know. to cut from your deck to put this in, right? Is there, and I don't know enough about Storm decks, but I, this, this card is really strong. Like, if it's not broken now, someone will find some way to break it. Like, maybe you reanimate this somehow. I don't know, right? Like, there's some way that people will get this three mana and like get a black lotus effect on the combo turn how about cat tribal <laughs> it's a two mana two two that's not bad that's a, that's a decent rate <laughs> this is another now ever since ad nauseum lost simian spirit guide it had no alternative win con now we're back online 
Uh, I, I do agree that fast mana tends to be broken, so I'm skeptical, but I guess we'll have to wait and see on this one. This this is a kind of card that could be a lot better than it looks, because fast mana, usually really powerful. I'm still not sold on <laughs> I ne- never count out Magic Player's ingenuity to break things that Wizards has deemed safe. <laughs> right? Wizards think this is safe? It's There's true. way this is safe. <laughs> Especially storm players. Like if they can storm off and popper when literally every playable they, they play like sprouting vines, the one that gets a land and find a way to make it work. So if any group of magic players is gonna make this card work, it's probably storm players. Alright, next up we have Brainstone. I hate wizards and their naming <laughs> here. One generic mana artifact, two tap, sacrifice brainstone, draw two card uh, draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. So brainstorm in an artifact and it costs three basically, right? One to cast and two to activate. I like the name. That's, that's like the part the name, I like yeah. about it. I like the name and it's the callback so, again. It's not but, a callback. It's like a, it's like a stupid pun. <laughs> it's not yeah, a callback. I'm here for okay. it. Okay. That's so good. I love everything about that. I, I'm also sad this isn't in historic, but yeah, like I, I think this is hilarious. I It's not great, but like it is hilarious. It's so expensive. Like that's yeah. that's kind of the the concern. I don't know. Me even like the home that it could have is some sort of like artifact deck where you like actively just want a bunch of cheap artifacts. But even in the context of like the deck that might actually want it, I'm still not even sure that that's good enough for its mana cost. So limited, I guess, is where I'm leaning on this one. Limited. Yeah, this is probably what this is like. Okay, this is Commander All Star. First of all, Braidstone. Really. It's, okay, Wait, it's brainstorm really? in any color. You want white card draw? Here you go, <laughs> right? Like you don't need an artifact deck, right? Like you just like you brainstorm with fetches. Like that's still a thing, right? So this is just artifact brainstorm at more mana. And there are colors that can't draw as well as blue. They'll be willing to pay this. So I, I think people will play this in uh, commander in various colors. And then artifact decks. I don't know, right? Like. There's got to be, like, I, I guess, like, the old Urza decks could probably play something like this, maybe. Uh, but the the, bil- the ability to brainstorm and shuffle. Uh, I mean, you, you've used Jace Crim. You know how strong that is. Yep. Right? Yep. Like, the ability to do that is so powerful, especially in modern. Like, if your deck can support this in some kind of reasonable fashion, I think you would try it. Uh, the, the three cost is a lot, though. So you actually need to have some, like, pretty good synergies with this artifact to, to make it work. I guess like land tax and commander is kind of sweet. Like so, so maybe there's some specific synergies and colors that could make it good uh, in commander. Like tutoring up three basics and then using this to put the basics back, and then shuffling with your land tax to, you know, get some new cards out of it. That seems like kind of a sweet synergy. I also have to say. I'm actually shocked that Richard is liking all these cards. Usually when we talk about new cards, I expect Richard is the one that's telling me and Krim like how wrong we are and how bad the cards are. And so far, me and Krim have been like, man, these cards aren't that good. I got, like, I got news these for cards you. Are you gonna, guys are still wrong. You guys are still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's colorless brainstorm. People will play it. It's just, you know, and you should probably never instant speed brainstorm. It, it, it prevents the end of turn instant brainstorm without a fetch. <laughs> so you can't even do that, right? But, you know, it's, it's not as strong as brainstorm, but like mono white brainstorm would you put this in your mono white commander deck Seth without any like synergies whatsoever like no fetches or any way to shuffle let's, let's no. say you have fetches if I, if you I have I shuffle bring... effects okay but like nothing like land effects, tax yes. or anything just like just shuffle effects okay yeah I, I think in mono white I would consider it 
Like, just because I'm so desperate. If I have a shuffle effect, then I think this would actually probably be pretty good in mono white. And then even more value if you have ways to maybe tutor up cheap artifacts, let's say. Seth, Seth, what about your... Speaking on mono white, how how would you feel about this in your favorite uh, modern archetype, Soul Sisters? (laughs) So I mean they they need all the card that they can get. My it's a soul sister staple. We, I think we missed last set. There's always a card that I say is a soul sister staple. I think Strixhaven was the first one in like two years where where there wasn't one. So I'll be keeping my eyes on Modern Horizons for a soul sisters card. All right, and now for the most confusing card of literally all time. Here we go. It's called Urza's Saga, not to be confused with the Magic set. Okay, its type is Enchantment Land Urza Saga. Okay, it's a rare and it's a saga card. So the first chapter is Urza Saga gains tap, add colorless. The second one is tap, uh, two tap, create a zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. The third chapter is search your library for an artifact card with mana cost zero or one put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. So it's a land. After uh, two turns, it dies. You sack it, and you get an artifact out of your library with mana cost. So mana cost, not converted mana cost, but mana cost, zero or one. And you put it on the battlefield. And it's an enchantment land. I am always worried when something like like that is added to uh it when it's attached to a land that makes it a lot harder to deal with right so i i i think this card's pretty busted i i also think this card's pretty busted like yeah i know it only lasts for a couple of turns but you get so much value out of it you get a waste for two turns you get a construct which has proven to be very powerful in artifact decks like that's often a really big creature and then there's a ton of cheap artifacts that are worth tutoring up like if you build around it it can obviously be great getting like graveyard hate and pithing needles and all kinds of stuff but even just like incidentally i think there's decks that can definitely Definitely take advantage of this. And then you have like Renin Six in the format if you want to keep getting it back or like get trog monster shenanigans and life from the loam ways to benefit from lands in the graveyard. So uh, this card's really weird and I'm sure very difficult to evaluate because it's just so unique. But I also think this card's somewhere between really good and broken. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I just maybe maybe it isn't like it's not going to be insanely busted right off the like the bat, but. Eventually, there is going to be something that really, really helps, like, you know, this card go off. So what can so you I, fetch I, in I'm modern? About that. What can you fetch in modern that makes sense in an existing shell? Um, Let me see. So in currently, in, it's like one or less. So there's like no soul ring or anything like that, which is which is what makes it OK. What, what, right what is cranial plating? Is it two or one? Yeah, it's two. It's plating two. plating is, is two. Yeah. So. I think the cards that stuck out to me, uh, Expedition Map is a big one in like Tron or Eldrazi Tron or Dice Tron, because uh, that's a card that you really want anyway. So uh, you can find your Tron lands no. with it or other utility lands. It just lands. costs you a land slot. Like it, it, you went down a land to get that map. So you don't really want to be doing that, right? But then, but then you get a Tron land, which is like three lands in one. So what do you care if you went down a land? You went down a <laughs> land, paid two mana, and like two turns to get a Tron land? Like, that seems exceptionally slow, right? That It is pretty slow. I think the power is, though, 
Like that's kind of the floor. And then you also like can snag your Relic of Progenitus in the graveyard matchups. You can snag a Pithy Needle to shut down a Planeswalker, let's say. You can snag a Graft Digger's Cage to shut down a Collected Company. So I feel like you, you uh, this is a card for me, you try to set a floor where there's one card that you're looking for, like Expedition Map and Tron, but the power of it is it's also like saving you in all these random matchups by finding your sideboard hoser style card in the right matchup with some consistency. So would you put this in every deck then? Is that what you're saying? No. I mean, you gotta have cheap artifacts to make it work. I mean, like uh, so the, I, the I artifacts just... package plus this as like your, I don't know, sideboard to deal with stuff. It's nice I, to be able to get a graph digger's cage, right? Potentially. So I mean, maybe. Although like the artifact hate sideboard plan usually shows up in artifact based decks. Like you don't usually just see a random like blitz deck or the Heliod combo deck playing a ton of those artifacts in the sideboard. Maybe like the graveyard hate artifacts. But I think it goes up in value in decks that tend to be artifact based or colorless based. If you look at like Eldrazi Tron, for example, or Dice Tron or Urza decks, if they ever like make your return, those decks are naturally already wanting to have all those tutor targets in their sideboard. And this is just a way to get them. I also think that the power of the card also depends on how many artifacts you have because of the construct token. Like if you're playing just a random deck and that's making a one one because you have no other artifacts. Yeah, that's not actually very exciting. If you're playing an artifact deck, though, maybe hardened scales or something where your whole game plan is about making these big artifacts and this is going to be a five five or an eight eight or something that makes the card much better as well. So I tend to think it's limited to artifact decks. I mean, even just look at a uh, look at hardened scales, for example, hardened scales. You have animation module. You got the Ozolith. You have the sideboard hate card package. You have Arcbound Worker if you really need a creature that you can tutor up. And then you can easily have like Lurus with Mishra's Bobble. And we've seen Lurus Mishra's Bobble be like a really powerful package where you're drawing extra cards. So I think in decks like that, it can be very, very strong. But no, I wouldn't just slam this in any deck, I don't think. Okay, I can, I can see that. I mean, it looks insanely busted for artifact decks, which I agree with. And then in Commander, the floor is basically a soul ring, unless you drew it already by accident, right? So in that case, it's like a weird temple of the false god. And then you can just tutor up whatever you want. Of course, I'm getting this because I can fetch up a Colossus Hammer. Uh, so auto-include, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this is... Interesting. It's an enchantment land. I, I don't know if that means anything, uh, but you have enchantment synergies uh, that also works. If you have like weird uh, counter manipulation, you can like mess around with the saga part of it. It's just a really complicated card. And then we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But we think it's it's playable in modern and it's playable in commander as well. It's probably the best card they, they've previewed so far. Also probably bust in vintage in shops, I would assume. Like I'm not the... I'm not the, the biggest vintage player, but uh, it seems like the kind of card that would be absolutely insane. Uh, and, and in vintage, you have all your like black lotuses and soul, actual soul rings and moxen that you can get. Plus, you have a ton of artifacts out of the battlefield. So I've seen some people been, uh, have been like, could this actually be like so good it has to get restricted in vintage? Which I don't know if I go that far yet, but it seems uh, it seems vintage playable in shops in specific. Oh, that's that's right. You can play four of them. <laughs> this this seems yeah. 
I don't know about this one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel bad for vintage. I don't, maybe they like this, but like their meta gets like thrown up every time Wizards prints a new card. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> uh, okay. Next, we have some reprints. Uh, two cards coming to modern, right? Counterspell. Finally. Yes. Double blue counter target spell. Modern legal. Uh, Sanctum the, Prelate yes. is not modern legal currently, right? It's no. not. It was in yeah. a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. So it's the buy a box promo for the set. And that's the three mana 2-2 two, two, where you choose a number and non-creature spells with mana value equal to the chosen number can't be cast. So two new modern additions with these two cards. What do you guys think? Well, so first off, let, let's start with the, the, the cooler card, Counterspell. <laughs> uh, so this card, I think this should have been in modern a long time ago. Uh, the, the, the card, I mean, mana leak, yeah, 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 I get it. But, but like, the, we, we, we had that, but that this is, this is not even that broken. Uh, as weird as it sounds, like a two mana counterspell, just straight up counterspell was, was needed a long time ago, considering how powerful all the threats and everything is going on in modern. So I'm just happy to see it finally here. Cause, uh, you know, I used to spend so, so many hours with friends talking about how this should totally be like a, a thing in modern. Cause you just look at modern. You, you look at it and it's like, how, how is it that this was too powerful for modern? Yeah, I don't even think that, that counterspell is going to be that busted in modern, honestly. Like, super happy. I mean, it's very iconic. And it, yeah. I agree that it should have been here a long time ago. And I think it's definitely playable. Uh, if you're, I mean, people play Logic Knot with a straight face. If you're playing Logic Knot, this is just like the strictest of upgrades. I think when you consider the other popular counterspells like Mana Leak and Remand, I think that's where it's actually really interesting. And it's probably going to depend on what deck you're playing. Like, if you're playing blue-white control, I think that Counterspell, essentially a strict upgrade over Mana League. On the other hand, if you're playing, like, four-color Obnath or something, then I think you might actually just stick with Mana League because of mana concerns. Like, if you're having to fetch out a untapped Shockland on turn two to cast this, that's a pretty big deal in a format like Modern, where you got stuff like Blitz being one of the best decks in the format and can really punish you for taking that extra damage. And then I think some decks will still stick with Remand, like tempo style decks, because the card draw is a big deal. So I think that Counterspell is actually a really cool addition to Modern. Uh, definitely going to see play, but I don't think it just pushes those other two-mana Counterspells completely out of the format. I think it's really going to depend on your specific deck and uh, what the mana of your deck's like. <laughs> I'm so excited for this because uh, we're, we're also now going to be able to play all the artworks that we have. <laughs> like I have, I have <laughs> of so are, many Grim. artworks <laughs> of counter spells. So the, like, oh, like now, I, like I can actually use the Japanese um, promo or whatever of uh, the mystical archive, right? Stuff I like that. It is interesting that they've printed a lot of unique versions of counter spells recently. They had the yeah. like signature spell book. They had the mystical archives, they had the Japanese ones. Uh, I think there's another special printing that I'm not thinking of. There's a Jace Amica, one. Amica Invocations. So there's so many versions. I like, why do they keep printing this? Like, <laughs> it's not legal anywhere. Why do they keep doing it? But now you can kind of see the, the, the long-term plan coming together where I think Wizards knew this was going to be happening. So they actually like pre-printed a ton of cool counter spells in preparation for it becoming legal and modern, which makes sense. Like supply is going to be high. It's not going to be an expensive card. It should be pretty accessible. So uh, definitely a sweet reprint. Uh, so you guys have never played against counter spells, what I'm hearing. This card is oh, really oh, strong. I have. 
this strong is this car is really strong and there's no counterplay. Let me explain to you boomer magic, okay? Back in like 2012, when you play against a control deck as Jund, you don't slam your cards out, right? If they have a remand or a mana leak, you wait till five mana and you play your, your Tarvagoyf to play around mana leak. And you could do that in 2012 because you didn't die instantly on turn four when they like slammed a Jace, right? Or like it's a fairy. But given it's 2021 and you can no longer play this long game, it effectively makes no difference, right? Like you have to jam all your spells out and whether it's a mana leak or a logic knot or something, it like it makes no difference to you. You have to play all your cards. But if you actually wanted to play like proper magic where you actually play around the cards your opponent has, like there's no playing around counterspell. It's just counterspell. Whereas logic knot, you could count their graveyard, you could do a thing, you know, mana leak, you could go to five mana, six mana, remand, you could do a tempo play, but counterspells just get hit by the counterspell. Like that's it. You have nothing to do, right? But I mean, like with, with the way, like let's just say Jun now, you have so many threats. They're all kind of redundant and, you know, you have so many discard spells. It just feels like, sure, it, 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 I don't know. It feels the same as just like seeing a mana leak or something. Yeah. Like that. I mean, it makes no difference today because if you play Jund against a blue deck, you're not winning no matter what. So you're, you're jamming all your cards into their counters no matter what and hoping they don't have a counter. Right. But it, it just makes this, it solidifies this forever. Right. Like there's no counterplay around counterspell and there won't be now. Right. You like, you just have straight counterspell. So that, that's it. Like it effectively changes nothing though. Right. Like, the yeah. blue decks get a little stronger, but the blue decks are still fighting the uphill battle against unfair decks anyway. So this helps them a little bit, but I don't know that this tips the tide in their favor. And then mid-rangey decks are already kind of pushed out unless you're doing something very specific. So I don't think this changes the meta, but it's just a nice inclusion for them. But I just don't like the no counterplay part of it. And I'm surprised they they put it in. I I want to see, I don't know if you remember this from the, the good old days of modern of like 10 years ago or whatever, but uh, do you remember like the, oh no, uh, Videlkin Shackles control decks. There was, there yeah. was for a minute like mono blue control with Videlkin Shackles. You now have counterspell into Archmage's Charm into Cryptic Command. That's an insane, that's an insane curve of really high value counterspells. So I don't know, maybe something like that could work again. I mean, I guess it's probably that modern is just way too fast and unfair for, for someone to steal your stuff with Videlkin Shackles, but that is a really powerful sounding counterspell curve. Like, uh, thanks to all these new additions. Jokes on you, trying to steal I permanent Seth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before uh, we get to uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, the new D&D set, uh, we have to thank our sponsors. Uh, so today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Uh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. And you can skip out on trips to the grocery store and have easy and fun, affordable home cooking. So the reason I'm doing the sponsorship is I've been eating HelloFresh all week. And my favorite meal so far has been beef bulgogi meatballs. They're quick and easy and everything was made in my oven. So HelloFresh has over 25 recipes featuring a range of flavors and cuisines. Uh, so you'll never get bored. And my favorite is all ingredients are pre-portioned. So you're not over buying or wasting food. So when you buy, like when you follow a recipe online, you check and they're like, we need three leaves of basil. And then so you're like, I guess so you go to the grocery store and they only sell like a giant bundle for five bucks. And you're like, what am I going to do with all this basil? And then the answer is usually nothing and it goes to waste. So with HelloFresh, you can avoid overbuying uh, all ingredients. 
So thank you to HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit for sponsoring our show. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Goldfish12 and use the code Goldfish12 for 12 free meals, including shipping. So once again, HelloFresh.com slash Goldfish12 with the code Goldfish12 for 12 free meals. Uh, 12 free meals. So thank you, HelloFresh. And back to Dungeons and Dragons. So the new standard set coming in July Adventures in the Realms Forgotten. This is like the longest set name we've ever had. It's Dungeons and Dragons, like colon Adventures in the Realms Forgotten. In the Forgotten yeah, Realms. I just call it Forgotten Realms. Yeah. Forgotten oh. Realms, close enough. And we so, ha- Oh, go, Krim. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. So we have, uh, we have a bunch of cards that they previewed. Uh, starting off with Tiamat, two white, blue, black, red, green, 7-7 seven, seven legendary creature, dragon god, coming in at mythic, flying. When Tiamat enters a battlefield, if you cast it, search your library for up to five dragon cards not named Tiamat that each have different names, reveal them, put them in your hand, and then shuffle. I, I am hurt because there's only one dragon god. <laughs> <laughs> but but okay all right this is sure. universes beyond well, crib there's a god over here okay <laughs> no 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 this is not i guess this is a dragon god it's not the dragon god so i will accept that but so as somebody that has never played D um i i think this is an actual thing right in D. Um, it, it is i i called it uh i called it time at through the spoiler video and i had about a million DD fans uh correcting me in the apparently this is like a super iconic DD character like like the equivalent of nicole bolas would be to you krim this is this is the equivalent in DD i think so i know nothing about (laughs) DD but there's a league of legend item it's called tiamat and this confuses me to no end every time i see this name so yeah it's a this, dragon this so, that gets five dragons. I mean, card's sweet. Yeah, yeah. Like this is a really cool card. I, I, I like the artwork. I, I would think this is just, <laughs> this is just a super fun like commander, right? I mean, like this, this is just gonna be super sweet for any kind of commander deck. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know anything about D and D other than, than like you know, I, I, th- I think I saw a, an owl bear. So I hope that we see something like that. But yeah, this card just seems fun to play and it's not like super broken to me uh i don't know what this will do in standard because i'm not really sure what am i gonna make an uh a deck out of all the elder dragons you're gonna make a dragon singleton deck called but, brawl i mean <laughs> like ah. i mean there is like terror of the peaks there is right. gold span dragon right there are some dragon gods there's sprite dragon if you want to yeah. get aggro my guess is it's not much of a standard card, though. Although maybe we get more dragons in like the D and D set, that seems yeah. possible. I guess uh, given the theme and what we've seen, maybe that's a sub theme of the set. As if far dragons, as standard, like ugh, or, seven mana, though, that's a yeah. lot. Like it does do a lot right away. If you resolve this and get to tutor up five dragons, that's insane. But I don't know if you can build a curve with enough dragons to support this. And living long enough to cast this that you don't just get crushed by like mono white and mono red and whatnot. I feel like you're just going to get run over by aggro like a thousand percent of the time. Uh, But maybe. I mean, if it works, it's going to be sweet. I'll definitely try it. Yeah. Like, I mean, like that's that's the thing. There's no big payoff because I was trying to build a dragon deck in standard the other day. Right. Because we do have gold span and we do have, you know, the uh, Galish Galistraz or or whatever. Right. But but the thing here is I. I don't know if there's, there's no like Silumgar Scorn. Uh, there's, there's none of those. 
So I'm curious what the big payoff is right now for playing dragons. However, if dragons are not a viable deck in standard, when Dungeons and Dragons, the set comes out, I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to be a little upset. All right. Like, I mean, the, the one thing that's always made Dungeons and Dragons appealing to me was that because, you know, there's obviously mages and whatnot, but the fact that there were dragons and I don't mean the really bad movie version because I guess that's the only thing I know uh, like about Dungeons and Dragons. I've seen the movie and it's really bad. Uh, but but yeah, like if dragons just aren't viable, it's going to be a big, sad, like like void in my heart. They will be viable I, I think, in casual yeah. where the set is made. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know that's this is, not this is, this is not a standard set. Like just look at the cards we're about to talk about, right? Like clearly they're going after casual players and it makes sense because universes beyond is meant for casual players, right? Like when you pull standard players, they're like, nah, not universes beyond my IP, right? Casual players are like, yeah, come on, hit me with the dragons, right? Hit me with <laughs> my the immersion, right? Show, come on. show me a time at. Yeah, let's go, right? <laughs> um, th- this is a good commander card though. Like yeah. this is instant staple in five color dragons, right? Yep. And yep. what do you think of it as your dragon commander? I When I was trying to like evaluate this card, I would say it's probably less powerful than the Ur-Dragon. Like, Eminence oh, well, is just yeah. absolutely busted. <laughs> but maybe this is... But Ur-Dragon also draws a lot of hate. When I see Ur-Dragon, I'm going after Ur-Dragon player. Like, maybe this is a still very powerful, but not quite as scary-looking five-color dragon commander. Yeah, yeah this. The, I think this is still a powerful enough commander. How uh, It's just... I mean, Ur-Dragon, it's unfair, right? It's, uh, like, that That card, comparing anything with Eminence, is, it's always going to look worse. So I I, th- I think this card is just going to be a fun one. And it, it's a way where, you know, your table doesn't want to kill you. It, it's also a 5C God Commander. Ooh. So we don't have... Although you'd need a Maskwood Nexus or something to turn your gods into dragons to find them. Yeah, I mean, just for flavor purposes. <laughs> I mean, that, that is... Not for synergy that, purposes. <laughs> but for flavor you got more purposes. Fun. I guess. I actually think that's, that's true. More fun's yeah. not a real <laughs> god. Corona. Corona. Literally a fake god. Literally a <laughs> yeah, fake god. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think um, that is a real thing, though, going and playing Maskwood Nexus or, or uh, you know, whatever the blue enchantment is, getting whatever creature you want. Yeah, that could be that could be sweet. I think Richard is right, though, that looking at the cards we've seen so far in the set, it does seem like they're going after the casual slash commander audience. Uh, but at the same time, we've seen like hardly any cards. So who knows? I'm sure there'll be some standard stuff in there. All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that they're probably I hope there's at least one or two. Uh, Vorpal Sword, a single black artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero, and has death touch. Five black, black, black. Until end of turn, Vorpal, uh, Vorpal Sword gains. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. Equip black, black. This is the know. most oh. commander card ever, and I, I love it. I love this card. I think this is such a sweet uh, equipment. <laughs> Standard wise, is this happening? Like, could it happen? <laughs> if, if it happens, then you deserve to die by the four sword. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you're like, what else? you just got to applaud, right? Like, good game, we'll it. You did it. It's eight like, mana yeah. plus two to equip plus one to cast. <laughs> That's a lot of mana. Uh, I I think this card's way better than it looks. I I think that this is. So I got the against the odds text on there. The eight mana, like, kill your opponent in one attack. Yeah. That's the against the odds text. But if you erase that text, 
you have a solid equipment, like compared to like Basilisk Collar or something, one to cast, two to equip, plus two plus oh, and Death Touch. I actually think that even if you erase the against the odds text, that's a pretty reasonable equipment that can see play. Obviously, you probably need shenanigans. The main Basilisk Collar uh, plan is like putting on a walking blister and sniping cunning your opponent's board mage, or yeah. cunning spark mage or something like that. But I feel like this is costed in a way that in a deck that can take advantage of the death touch, I think it's actually playable. And then you just get this bonus where sometimes you're going to like accidentally win the game with the eight mana mode. But I think like, I don't think you play it for the eight mana mode. You play it for like the ability, which is legitimately good in some decks. And then you might accidentally win the game once in a while. As far as standard in commander, eight mana kill someone seems a lot more practical, but I really want to know what you think on this, Richard, because you are, you're kind of our equipment master at this point, as far as commander. How good do you think this is in uh, commander? I thought oh, about uh, it for a while. See how I can make Rogak, add black to Rogak, and make something <laughs> happen here, but it's just eight mana. It's too much. <laughs> like, I don't well, know. We, we already we already have something like this in standard, so it's it's totally possible. We, Embercleave, except you don't have to pay for the mana. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, I, I mean, like the best case is the you game. put this on something with first strike and you can kill any creature in combat. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't buy, like, I, I can see, like, some, like, two card combos happening with this, but uh, I, I don't see this being played in any, like, fair manner. It has to be some weird combo. And even then, it's still a lot. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not very high on this card. I, I think you are playing it for the eight mana kill someone mode. Uh, which in means commander, hundred percent. Which means, yeah, you're playing it in commander or kitchen table. I, 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 if I think the maybe because being spoiled by Embercleave, but if this maybe had some ability like like cranial plating, where it's like you can equip it for at instant speed, I think that'd be pretty cool, and have flash, <laughs> <laughs> and gave double strike. <laughs> Yeah. and trample I, that that would that would make it better now wouldn't huh. it i huh. actually think it's i think it's decent as it is yeah i i think i think it's pretty solid uh just a, like one mana equip two, give it plus two plus zero and and death touch i think that's like decent but it's gonna need a little bit more than just being decent right i think to make it into standard so we'll have to see what the rest of the set it's it's way too early to say anything but um if, if maybe maybe the nahiri gets played Right, like you, you can now equip all your stuff for free or whatever. The planeswalker Nahiri from the from Battle for not. Battle, you just uh, saved two Zephyr mana, Krim. Was that was that worth the combo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, you, maybe. I, I, if you could activate for free, if you could activate this thing for free, we, we, we'd be talking. <laughs> what it, what about just playing an aggro deck? Like, what if you're playing mono black aggro? Is this actually like? that bad is a way just to grow your threats and make them tough to block because of that okay okay, you guys are like going you guys are trolling me we have way better equipment if you wanted to equip for aggro purposes right like well i'm thinking for standard not not command i'm sure like like, when i even play this in limited it's like a close call right (laughs) like i mean you would play it in limited it's really good (laughs) in limited but we've had like a lot of like plus two plus oh plus three plus oh kind of uh equipment and you just don't play them. Like, they're just not... Like, would you rather spend three mana doing this? Or would you just play, like, uh, you know, a Lovestruck Beast? I think I'll just play Lovestruck Beast, right? Like, it's a I, lot of work. I put this on the Lovestruck Beast. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, okay, okay so now, now you can kill... I don't know what Lovestruck Beast can't kill in standard. <laughs> but now now you can kill that 10-10 your opponent has, right? Like, I don't know, right? Like, if, I, it I gave, that- if you put it on something with Trample... 
that would help, right? But I don't know if we have any like native creatures with trample in standard right now. Gargaroth, Gargaroth, Gogari slash Witherbloom mid range, like that could work, yeah. right? You put on trample, and it's, it's just like Questing Beast doesn't have trample, right? Questing Beast has Death Touch, so if you give Questing Beast trample, oh. you get the combo, right? So this is like the reverse right. of that combo, right? So I mean, that is something, but is that worth a card and three mana and like I don't know? Seems not worth. I think we're focusing too much on the rares and the mythic. I think the best card they previewed is actually just an uncommon. Portable oh. hole. A single white uncommon artifact. When portable hole enters a battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls with mana value two or less until portable hole leaves the battlefield. I they think this fall card for it is... every time. That's the flavor text. <laughs> this, this card is great in, in modern, right? That's uh, that's where I'm looking at it, yeah. I think this is, like, probably pretty bad in standard right now, but, I mean, I guess I get rid of, like, Seasoned Hollow Blade, but, but yeah, like, this this looks great in modern because it hits any permanent. So, uh, it, it's, you know, it's pretty straightforward, right? Like, Ren and Six, uh, any, any random, I don't know, maybe artifacts that we need to deal with from Modern Horizons 2. <laughs> 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 and, yeah, so, like, this this has a home in modern. Whether the number of uh, copies of this, I don't know yet, because I mean, like, if this becomes popular enough, I think the meta just adjusts to it, right? Where they start playing more artifact hate. I mean, Coligan's command already exists, so this is just going to be, you know, a good, a good, like, a, an easy target for people with Coligan's commands. Yeah. So standard kind of meh. Adventures kind of kill it since our curve basically starts at three in standard at this point because yeah. everything's an adventure creature. In modern, though, I don't know if this is like a heavy main deck card because of the concerns Krim mentioned. Like there are ways to get blown out by this. It is temporary removal, but this is a card that hits most hate cards. You uh, can snag a rest in peace, a graft digger's cage. You can snag uh, many creatures. If you look at the most played creatures in modern i think this hits last time Armagoyf. i calculated like 17 <laughs> of the top 25 like 75 percent of the creatures it gets ren in six when you add all that together to me this feels like a sideboard all-star like you play this on your sideboard it gets rid of the hate cards it gets rid of the aggro creatures uh, so i feel like this is going to see a lot of play in modern one of the best white removal spells i printed in a while i think for older formats does this make Soul Sisters tier one? <laughs> that, uh, you you, you, actually, you jest, but who's sisters. gonna play this? <laughs> yeah. Who plays white in modern, right? Like, who's actually gonna play blue this? Blue white? You would play this in blue white? Definitely not. Right? You have access would, to all other stuff, right? I would play Celestial Purge. <laughs> That's why I, I, I'm actually uh, curious because there's not a home for the deck, right? Like, I mean, and the card, the card is pretty solid, but I don't know that there's a deck that needs this effect. Like, that's playing white, like, you know, so... I mean, maybe, like, like, I actually don't even think this deck has been a deck in, like, 10 years, but, like, some kind of Esper, Tezzerator, Thopter sword. No, because you have Fatal Pushes, right? Yeah, but it's an artifact. But but wouldn't you play the more expensive Exile effects that could hit everything? Oh, agree fully. But, like, you would, would, like, in a, in, like, let's say a Thopter sword, Tezzerator, or something like that, the, the artifact type is very relevant. I guess that's true. I think I think the other thing that, that we may be glossed over is because it's so cheap, uh, it also works with Luris, which is yeah, a pretty big upside. I think Luris for, is actually uh, the for home a lot for of it. And you can yeah, fetch it up with so, Urza Saga land thing, right? This thing is special with uh, your Urza Saga no, land. No, no. 
Actually, no. no oh, we need no. the exact oh, mana. It's the generic mana. Cost. Has to be generic mana. mana. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Oh, got uh, me. But uh, <sighs> but I think maybe to deal with hate cards out of uh, like Allura's deck would probably be the most obvious. So maybe the Heliod combo deck, like to deal with hate cards. It's usually playing four paths on the sideboard. I don't know. Maybe this is just a better option than path because you can snag like a pithy needle or something on your Heliod or whatever that you otherwise wouldn't be able to hit. So I think it's got sideboard potential for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll buy that. I, okay. I like those decks. I think lure decks, uh, like the, the white based value decks, like company decks, Heliod decks, things like that. Okay. Hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh. <laughs> um. uh. Uh, well, we will be getting a ton more soon. Uh, we have uh, no spoilers this week. Next spoiler day is the 20th during the wizard stream. And then 24th through the third, I believe, is full spoiler. The one other thing I want to ask you guys, and then we got to answer some fish mail uh, or we'll turn into the Commander Clash podcast. <laughs> Tomer. Um, <laughs> so one thing they announced is these sets are releasing way earlier on Arena and Moto than they are in paper. And I think this is partly because of the sets being delayed by a week. But if you look at the D&D set, let's say, uh, Forgotten Realms, it's releasing on Arena and Moto on July 8th. Its release in paper is July 23rd. So you're looking at That's almost three two weeks, full right? weeks, more than two weeks. Uh, yeah, more than two weeks in between. Is that too long? This is something we've talked a little bit about before, but is the hype for the set going to be gone by the time it releases in paper? Because everyone's already like broke the meta on Arena and Moto. I mean, isn't the way of magic now digital? So its real release is I, I've, I've, I've now started to just look at magic that way. Like the, this paper release is just OK, sure. Uh, but but I now view set releases as the day that they're put on Moto Arena and you know, like it gives you your your time to like play these cards and whatnot to un- like it's almost like a trial period. So now you know what you want to buy in paper if you <laughs> want to buy in paper. Yeah, but what if you play standard? You're like, this is so hot garbage. I'm not going to buy the cards, right? Defeats the purpose. <laughs> I I think they should yeah, release them simultaneously, that- right? So if you play on Arena, you're like, oh, it's so cool. I can just run to my LGS and pick up the cards right away. Or, you know, you can play your LGS and then you're like, oh, that's so cool. I want to go home and grind some more arena. You could do that. Now there's this weird desync where you can't. You're like, oh, yes, I'll build this paper deck. Just wait like two, three weeks. Right. So I, I think it's weird, but I don't know. Like Wizards decided to do this. Right. My, my guess is it's probably usually it's only a week difference, uh, but they probably had some delays uh, which caused it to be longer than usual, but they've always prioritized digital, like since arenas come out, right? Remember back in the day where Moto wouldn't get stuff? Like we still don't have C21 on Moto. Uh, Someday I'll get know. to Ink Shield. Yeah, like I, I don't know. They just do it in sync, right? And it would be cool if you could play on Arena and then just hop down to your LGS and pick up the cards or something like that, right? But you can't. So I there's guess no er- that's there's how it no is. like early access event anymore, right? So why not just release them together? Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I'm fine with it. Like in the past, it had been like release on release on arena 
And then like that weekend, I think is pre-release and then official release is next week. But pre-release, you can already buy stuff. So the official release doesn't really matter that much. But uh, but this time there is a much bigger gap. So I don't know. Maybe this is just a weird fluke because of uh, like the covid delay of a week for this actually releasing. But it does feel like a pretty uh, a pretty long gap. I mean, by the time <laughs> by the time modern modern horizons officially releases is June 18th. That's the release date. Uh the start of spoiler season for the next set is the 29th. So there are 11 days between the set release and the official start of spoiler season for the D&D set and uh it's just not a very long window, so. I eh, it, it, anyway, the good news okay. though is that I mean, well, I yeah, I don't know if it's good news or not, but the thing here is yeah, like the modern horizons isn't hitting a arena so realistically you know like that that this is only going to matter to people that play moto and paper right for modern <laughs> there horizons. are no there are no modern players on arena crew <laughs> it's okay <laughs> no 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 i mean there are modern players but the thing is it's not coming to arena right so yeah it is like, it is not so they should just release into historic i still think they should just put everything into historic put all the new sets on there and and release them into historic and see what happens what's the worst i mean oh, we're surviving we're surviving mystical archives yeah <laughs> i'm sure they could survive modern horizons all right so. all right here I, I figured a clever way to insert my commentary while keeping schedule we're gonna move to fish mail <laughs> with the first question by special guest richard <laughs> but uh, if you have questions go to uh, uh Tweet at us at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. First question from Richard: Is it the whole point of uh, historic to play your old standard cards that rotated? If you keep putting new sets like Modern Horizons two and Mystical Archives and things like that into the format, your old standard cards have no home. They're just pushed out with all these cards you're injecting into the format. Yeah. Huh? What? Wait, hold on. Is this a real Richard or is this you no, speaking no, this in is, third this person? Is this is okay. me. This is me. But this is a real, okay. this is a real question. I actually read it like a couple of weeks ago that we didn't have time to. But the concern is you're supposed to play your rotated cards in this format, but they keep injecting these like cards in here, like historic anthologies, uh, mystical archives, things like that, such that your old standard cards are not powerful enough to play in the format. What do you think? I mean, at the cost of making it exciting in its own format, right? This was all this was always known, though, right? I mean, they they had already announced they were gonna just kind of put whatever they want in there. So, like, I I I kind of just assume at some point it would eventually become that, anyways. Or, or I mean, yeah. that and also standard cards are so powerful that you know, <laughs> sure, let's let's see. <laughs> I think the the idea of, oh, we'll have this format where you can play your cards once they rotate and you'll still get value out of them. That sounds nice, but it's it's pretty empty. Uh, and I don't think that's unique to historic. Like, how many of your standard cards actually make it into modern or even into pioneer? So I feel like, yeah, over the short term, when historic is just a handful of sets, you're probably going to be able to play your standard cards almost by default, just because they make up half the format or whatever, because there's not many sets in historic. But I think we, this is where we're heading anyway. Like give it five years of sets or 10 years of sets and the odds of any random standard card that you were playing with actually making it in a non-standard format is pretty low. So, yeah, like, 
it is painful because of the arena economy. Like when it comes down to it, that's my <laughs> that's my problem with it. Like I'm used to it in Moto or in paper. Like sure, you just trade your stuff away at rotation or buy listed or whatever, and that's fine. Or trade it for new cards and play the new thing. It is a little frustrating because all the cards are locked into your collection on arena. So it is depressing to look back at these cards that you spent tons of money on and be like, wow, I spent a lot of money on that. Played it for standard for you know one deck and uh, and I'll never see that one again. Good thing I spent fifteen dollars on that mythic. So that part is frustrating, but as far as the actual like health of the format, I'm fine with it having new cards. I, I would rather have the excitement than stick to some unrealistic ideal of having your standard cards still be playable, which never really happens anyway. All right. Next question. Uh, everyone has this question in relation to the Fetchlands being reprinted. One is the best time to buy the Modern Horizons 2 Fetchlands. Seth. Ooh, that is a that is actually a tough one. Traditionally, uh, you want to wait a couple of months after a set releases. Although Fetchlands have been unique in that they have a ridiculous amount of demand, which means they actually tend to recover really quickly. I know with uh, like Modern Horizon or Modern Masters 2017, the last time we got a full Fetchland reprint, the floor of many of those cards was essentially when it released or even like pre-release to some extent. And then almost immediately after release, they started increasing in price and kind of just like kept slowly ticking up in price. So I think that based on what we've seen with Fetchlands in specific, don't take this advice for other cards. If you can get a good price on them, even if it's right around release time, I would grab them because uh, Fetchlands are unique with the amount of demand they have out of all the cards in Magic. So uh, it, this is a case where sooner is better, I think, with Fetchlands. Okay, last question. Uh, Antonio Slar says, Netflix just announced a LOL animated event series, Arcane. Meanwhile, nothing about the MTG animated series. Are we getting behind again, losing the timing? I I, I think at this point, because it was supposed to come out this year. Uh, so at this point, I think it's just either getting delayed. It, I, I, I don't even know. Are, is the creative team still attached to it, the Russos? Because if they are, then... At least, you know, it's somewhere down the pipeline, but I believe they're also making a new movie with Chris Evans. So I'm curious where all of this is when when they're going to find the time to get a show in there. So I original date was planned for this year. I think if it comes out now, I, it probably isn't going to come out till 2023, 2024. Yeah, I I have not seen many recent updates on it honestly i know if you look on the internet it says it's supposed to release this year but uh but there is not much recent information in the last like six months to a year on when it's actually going to release so i would say that's concerning uh if it was supposed to release this year but uh but we aren't hearing anything about it so at this point i have no idea i would not be surprised if it or something similar happened eventually but I wouldn't hold my my breath for it actually coming out in the near future. I just hope it's not hot garbage when it comes out. I hope it's not like that Dungeons and Dragons movie. Like oh. nothing can be as bad as that Dungeons and Dragons I, movie, though. I mean, don't don't put it past. Watsy is very free in handing out their IP. Right. There are many <laughs> magic spinoffs that are like of questionable quality, and you're like, was that worth handing out your IP for that? Uh, so I hope I hope it's good. I hope it's like. 
you know, Marvel Studios level good, which is a far and away hope. But like they've got Mar- the Russos. Mar- they got the Russos. Marvel doesn't write. They make me care about characters I've never heard of. Right. I'm like, who the heck is Winter Soldier and Falcon? I, you know, I don't know these people growing up, but I watch the show I'm like this is amazing. This is great. Right. Like, I love these people now. I don't even know who they were growing up. Right. Like same with WandaVision. Right. They just take these like side characters and they just make a really compelling show. So I hope they do that with Magic the Gathering. Like, I, I hope they can actually appeal to normal people who don't know what magic is and they just watch the show and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And then, uh, you know, I want to learn more about this universe. But given universes beyond and how this thing is forever delayed and things like that, I, I feel like that's not going to happen. I feel they don't have much priority on it. So I don't know. Well, I hope they understand how important it is because like this could be their shot at making, you know, the Yu-Gi-Oh television for the next generation or, or, yeah. you know, Pokemon, all of that. So this is like, I do hope they really find, like, put, put a lot of urgency into the show. If it's getting delayed because of, you know, a creative process kind of thing, or maybe like they want to like iron out the story some more, then, you know, I'd rather have that than it just being terrible. But if it just like is delayed and is also awful, like they don't care, then that's going to feel really bad. Yeah. And I'd rather they cancel it if it's bad than, like, release it and be bad, <laughs> right? Like, if they work out it for two years, like, oh, this is terrible. Like, yeah, we should just can it rather than just release a sub-bar product because I don't want another D&D movie. That was, like, really bad, <laughs> like, horrendously bad. Even as a fan, you can't watch it. You're like, oh, my God, right? So uh, Somehow so it lacked dragons. <laughs> <laughs> like, there were, but, like, it was, like, really? <laughs> Maybe not from the budget. In, there was no in, budget like, for dragons, okay? <laughs> So uh, it's so just dungeons. <laughs> dungeons. Just dungeons, period. Uh, so that's all the fish mail we have this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at goldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 328 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So, until then, everyone, have an amazing week. And this is a crew signing out. <laughs>